Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone. I'm on today with my good friend and colleague, Jeff Gamboa. Jeff has been in the Cutco Vector business now for about 22 years, uh, which is truly remarkable if you ever see a video of this, because the guy looks like he's in his 20s. And uh, Jeff, he grew up in Maryland. He started in the Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland area, was a superstar sales rep with the company, advanced into management, and he now is one of a very few people who run two divisions in the company. Uh, he is running the Florida Gulf Division, which is the West Coast of Florida. And he is also running the Florida Caribbean Division, which is the areas of South Florida, as well as Puerto Rico. So, Mr. Gamboa, thanks for being on here today. Uh, it's my pleasure and my delight, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's hear a little bit about your early days with Cutco. You were very young and starting out as a sales rep in Baltimore. And I know you had a lot of great success. So I'd like to hear a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, I went to college my first year with the University of Maryland. I spent all my spending money really quick. And I came back, my parents said, great, great grades. We're proud of you. And when are you getting a job? And I said, all right. So I went out, I got denied to be a server. I got denied here. And then my friend was selling Cutco. And she was a branch Cutco manager. So she, she had the keys to her own office. So we were the same age. We, we, we hung out together. And I asked her how much she was making. And it just, it, my jaw dropped to the ground. And I said, okay, I'm not landscaping. I'm not babysitting anymore, which I used to do. And I said, bring me in for an interview. She said, I think you'd be great. And I used to see her actually, ironically enough, in the dorm rooms. Now I know what was happening. She was having other fellow leadership academy management training people come over and they would role play and practice things together mm-hmm. and i was sitting there studying wondering what was going on and, and come to find out and joanna Ponsolinos, now joanna Farakis, i call her june first second or third every year to, or text her to say thank you and that's wow. how i got that's how i got started and uh yeah it was it was great i started with the training and I would say, Dan, I was the product of the program because I wish all the reps did what I did. I, everything they said, oh, I loved it. And I said, okay, let me work on this assignment. And next thing you know, I hit two promotions my first weekend. I made more money in one weekend than I had at you know two weeks of cutting grass. And I said, okay, this, this is pretty good. And fast forward, uh, there was this first 10-day contest and I sold about $15,000 in Cutco and I made $3,000. And that was more money than I had made in three or four summers working in 10 days. And then I, w- I was hooked. And I went to my first conference. And then 
from there. It was a really great start. I ended up being the number one rep in the whole company that summer. I sold uh, $77,000 and the prices have changed so much, but I just, it was such an invigorating surprise. And I went from, you know, I was just going to make some money to, you know, here I am 22, 23 years later. Go believe yeah. it. Amazing. 77,000 in today's dollars is an incredible summer. And in 1997, that is an astonishing total. What were some of the things that you feel like enabled you to have such great success right out of the gate besides you know, following the program? Yeah. You know, I, I think looking back, if I were to really dial it down, the first thing is I really, really bought into the fact that starting a business with friends and family is the best way to do it. And I, I really bought into that because my father was a physician he did the same thing. We were all his first patients and he believed in his service. And I said, all right, well, this is what dad did. This is what I, I've seen a lot of successful people do. So I really bought into seeing friends and family and they covered this thing called your chicken list. And they said, if you, okay, these are the people that would be great customers, but could be someone you're chicken to call. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not chicken to call anyone. So for me, just diving into networks and really feeling comfortable with that was a big key. I was really active. I always did a lot of appointments and I found myself really infused in the dynamics of the office a lot. So I was present in the office for whether it was phone time and doing the work from the office, hanging out with reps, hanging out with the managers, and they were you know, giving me lots of counsel. And for me, knowing that I had the support structure, not everyone took advantage of it, but I remember a young man named Kevin Fishkind, who ended up being a district manager later, we both said, well, this, when we're here, we do better. When we're here, we feel better. When we're here, we're, we're really thriving. So we just ate it up and we were always at the office and that voted really well for us. You know, I love what you said about just engaging in the work and being there and, and taking part. I think uh, no matter what it is that we do, it's such an important element of success. It's like actually bringing our best energy to it. And, and it's evident that you did that right out of the gate with your Cutco career. Yeah, especially the first summer, what I, what I realized is I just sold out for the time they said, hey, if you're going to give this a shot, that's okay. But give it a shot for this period of time. At that point, it was 10 days. But give your best and do it the right way. And upon doing that, it helped me flourish by, by really selling out and diving all in, if you will. Yeah, outstanding. Outstanding. So you were a rep for a few years while going to school at the uh, University of Maryland, right? No terps, yeah. 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 And then what made you decide you wanted to stick with the company as a manager? Yeah. So this is a fun story. Being the son of a doctor and also my parents are not from the country, right? They're immigrants from the Philippines. So right away, you were a successful son if and only if you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Like those huh. are three. And it's very, very stereotypical in our culture. And I was a pre-med major. I had gotten all the job offers I wanted. I got into you know, that whole interviewing process. And around my junior, senior year, I was involved with Cutco. I was involved in management training. I was involved in leadership academy. And something hit me where I said, not only am I good at this, I really enjoy selling and management of sales. And so for me, I first of all, put all the resume uh, building to test, all the resume build it to the test. And for years, I'd gone through Cutco and they'd said, oh, wow, when you graduate, you know, you being here, this is why it's worth it. And it was so funny where all these stories that were just stories that I thought dad was telling me, you know, when mom and dad tell you a story, I was on these interviews and getting every job I wanted and getting high offers. And my friends were struggling to get interviews while I was suited up on my second interview for the, for a job out of college for the day. And it just, it really brought a lot of satisfaction and it, it really got me to the point where I said, I might want to consider this. And so I just went through my due diligence. I went through the process of speaking to people within and without the company. And I think, uh, 
the big thing for me was I really thought I wanted to be a doctor and there were elements of what I saw in, in doctors that I wanted really more. So it was, I, I liked the financial security on the first part where the lifestyle, and I found myself being able to find that here. I wanted, uh, I watched my dad service a lot of people and people were so thankful and grateful for how he treated people and, and this legacy, multiple years of families and generations would come to my dad and say, you know, your dad treated my mom and his mom and their mom. And for me, I said, well, I get that every year we graduate students. And then the third thing was just the type of people I was around, very like-minded, we, you know, vector breeds, this go-getter, fun, as you know, vector train mentality. And it was really great to be around the same types of people. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know that this is a career out of college, but I certainly could make this the first surge as I leave college for three to five years. And then, then I reevaluate. And then for me, I find myself reevaluating now seven times every three years. Yeah. Wow. So you started out as a manager in the Maryland area. Correct. Right. And then you became the division manager for DC Metro division. It was Maryland, Washington, DC. And then ultimately the path led you from Maryland down to Florida. Can you talk a little bit about that transition and just what what, were some of the more transformational experiences that came out of that? Yeah, I, I never thought that would happen. So I graduated in 2000. I was a district manager in Baltimore. In 2002, I became the division manager for the DC metro area. And we went on this run from 2002 to nine and we flourished and we increased and, and we were seeing a lot of success. And then I, my then region manager at the time said, Hey, we have a new assignment. We'd like to offer you a new opportunity. And more or less, they said, we have a division that's not doing as well as we think it could be. And we really feel like you're the guy to go down there, bring your programs, bring your personality, bring everything down there and big decision. And I'm leaving everything I knew. I'm a Baltimore guy through and through. I mean, you see my home is full of Baltimore, <laughs> Baltimore, this, and I, you know, I made the decision to do something really uncomfortable to change, to move away from family. And I think if you, when you ask what's transformational about that time, that first step to just leave what's comfortable, I look back and I think of all the hardships I went through of doing things different and moving to a different state, you know, having a new house, having new friends, not having family, not having church, not having anything familiar. And looking back, that was a very just transformational, almost like, you know, where I became a big boy. And I said, all right, in 2010, I wasn't quite a big boy yet. But I mean, I, that was my first real move. I feel like it is being an adult, aside from buying a home. That wow. Was really big move for me. That was That's outstanding. There's this like picture, I think, that we've all seen shared through social media that is sort of a circle and it says your comfort zone. And then like all the good stuff happens out here. Yep. And I, I think about, your story right there of how you were in a comfortable place. You were running a good division. You were living where you grew up. You had your family around you. You had your friends around you. Everything was going in your life. And then this opportunity came up that was definitely outside your comfort zone. It was a huge opportunity, but it was outside your comfort zone. It was a difficult choice. And you made that choice and have built a really amazing life, amazing career because of it. So that's pretty cool. Now there were some bumps along the road, though. Like, can you tell us a little bit about some of your uh, no doubt experiences going down to Florida? Let me tell you, a suburbia Filipino son of a doctor guy from Baltimore goes to South Florida, Miami, where English in many places this is the second language. Okay, the culture here—it's a melting pot. And, and I thought I thought I had a melting pot of a of a childhood, but man, it's just I now love the culture here. But, that was a culture shock. Not having friends and, and not having parents and close family around was a culture shock. Um, I, I came down to a division that 
wasn't, you know, expecting for me to be the new leader. I came down and I was the, like, who is this guy? And, and there was just all these things that just, that was in the first six months of before I even moved down officially, like all those things. So that, that was a big, I think, transformational part for me, Dan. When I think of, I tell the story in my management training, I was in my condo, really rough. It was like the second year I was down here. I was having a really tough time. Business wasn't turning. Everything was just really tough. And I, at the time, I think I ordered some takeout Chinese food and I opened up the fortune and the fortune said, adversity willingly undergone is the greatest virtue. And I looked at it and I laughed. I said, get out. Mm. And I threw it up in the air. I picked it back up, started crying and sobbing. I read it again. And I think I remember that was a moment where I just said, yeah, I just, ugh. And I, it was a sign how, in whatever you believe. I just said, that was a sign for me. <laughs> and I said, okay, I, this is going to be hard. And this is what I signed up for. And I, I had to see that. I really had to go through that process because I, I taught it for so many years in our leadership training. But, you know, the doctor is now able to take their own medicine on this one. It's like, oh, <laughs> stop. stop. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Wow. Who are some of the, the key people you've had a chance to work with there in, in, in either Maryland or Florida over the years that oh, stand yeah. out in your career? Some easy ones. So one of my favorites of all time was my first pilot sales managers like our direct support, Kate Arbuthnot at the time. Uh, she is now Kate Bassey. Yes, Kate. She's now, she's now the division manager. And so she was very big transformative part of my beginning stages of the division manager when we saw success. She was my first real business partner to infuse a culture that we really came together on and how we were going to run business. And she was just such a great role model for people, for females, for people in general, for leaders, for young people. So she stands out for sure. And she's thriving right now and doing her own thing, which is so, we're so proud to see. I got a chance to work with uh, then Kathy Vasquez, who is now Kathy Kristen. And, Kristen. Yeah, down in uh, Houston. And she's a division manager now. So it's been really awesome to see you know, her transformation. And when I, and she was one of the first people that embraced me when I moved to Florida, like she, she and, I, and a very, very big favorite of Cutco, Andy Jonti, big CSP in the community. He came and those two sat down. I remember when I think of transformative moments, I mean, one of the moments is when Andy sat me down for dinner and then Kathy separately and said, Hey, I know you're having a hard time. I know people don't want you to be here. You're the outsider, but I want you to be here. And then, you know, more tears and all that. And yeah, I just needed to hear, wow, there are people who are supporting me. And that, that was the thing, Dan, when you said, what did I learn through all that transformation and what has kept me here 22 plus years is, is that. And I can, I can name 10 more people that did something like that and, and poured in when it was hard because it's easy to pour in when you're winning all these awards. But at the time when we were low, that, that was what made the most difference. And then now in the later parts, as we, as we transform, there's a young man. Luke Maseko was a, was a big part. Uh, he was a branch manager, pilot sales manager, now running a district office. Andrew Evans, who's now one of our top shining district managers. And Beth Shishmanian, who's a former DRA, which is, you know, help with recruiting. And those are the ones that stand out right now. And I know I'm missing a few, but your track record of having worked with great people and help have developed great people is really amazing. And, um, you know, you're, you're clearly somebody who has been one of the best developers of people, teachers of people. Um, Scott Dennis calls them engineers of people. You're one of the, the best at it. And, um, you know, what I, what I really wanted to talk with you a lot about today is this concept of being vector trained. Yeah. So you coined this term more than anyone else I know. Um, and that the term vector train refers to the skills that people develop working with vector. 
both the technical skills and the mental skills. And uh, I really want to dig into this because I think the people both inside and outside of Vector can really gain a lot of insights from the wide range of skills that make people successful here in this company. And so um, let's start a little bit with the angle towards sales and communication. What, what do you feel like it means to be Vector trained uh, as a salesperson? Yeah, this is great. And I actually, I'm coming on to you, onto this podcast immediately after a one-on-one meeting with a young lady who just started and she won a networking lunch with the division manager and you can get tips. She's brand new. She's paying her way at university of Alabama. And in three weeks, she's pretty much paid her way three, four weeks, starting the job fresh. Now her brother's involved in the business too. I said, so tell me what you're learning about just what are you learning as a salesperson with Cutco? And so everything she said is everything that comes to mind right now. She said, I'm learning how to organize my time better than anything I've ever, any time in my life. I'm learning how to work hard. What I thought was hard work before, like when I make blank amount of calls in an hour versus what I thought was hard work, I'm learning that. I'm learning how to take rejection <laughs> and, and not take it personally and to move on so quickly. And her, her brother's actually a district manager um, of their company. She said, I just watched my brother Luke for so many years just brush it off. And like, I can do that now. Um, I, she's talked about, I learn how to stay organized with everything. I learn how to prioritize, you know, I'm able to sell and then see my family and then do church and then see friends, but I'm able to do that all at a high level. I'm learning business skills. I'm, I have more money in my bank account than I've ever seen. So I'm learning how to create a checking and a savings account. I'm learning how to save for my future. And those are the ones that just stood out. And more importantly, learning how to speak to people like that to her, you know, I'm 18 years old. She just graduated from high school. She's going to her first year of college next year at Bama. And she said, wow, I just, I used to hide in my room sometimes when adults would come over. I, I would not go to school sometimes when I was feeling, you know, some anxiety towards certain people. And now I just have this confidence and Jeff, honestly, selling a certain amount of money on a sale, it brings you this confidence. When a customer tells you and compliments you on your goals and how they buy into your goals, it brings you confidence. So the underlying theme is this confidence from all these skills that she's learned. Yeah, that was outstanding. The the idea that people build their confidence through uh, having good results. Like I, I feel like confidence, a lot of it comes from success experiences and people selling Cutco have a chance to succeed much more often than not. Like a good rep is going to sell seven or eight out of 10 times and they're going to have a lot more success than failure. And that, that is, that is a huge confidence builder. And then, you know, you reference organization and time management and work ethic and financial success. And all of these are things I think people learn seeds for as a new rep. And then gradually they take these to higher and higher and higher levels as they progress upwards in the company. Right. And th those are all some of the great elements of being a salesperson that I think people can develop working here. Right. I agree. Yeah. On the watch. Yeah. How about as a leader, Jeff, what are some of the hallmarks of the vector trained leader? Yeah. You know, as people progress into our leadership academy, which is, you know, our version of management leadership development, there are things that, like you said, it's an offshoot of these base skills as a sales rep. So they're learning things like circle of influence as a leader, you're influential, who you take influence from and then who your peers are, are is really important it's a really important decision. So you're learning the, the importance of circle of influence and being the average of the five or six people you associate with. Um, you're learning the importance of just choosing your communication wise. As a leader, you're learning uh, something. My, one of my closest mentors preaches often is just servant leadership. When you 
work to serve other people and help people get what they want, it comes back tenfold versus the other way around. And people will follow you more as a leader when you're helping them get what they want versus the other way around. Um, as a leader, just you know, one of the things I think about when I listed all those people is people are always watching. So as a leader, you're a role model. And so it's not do as daddy says, not as daddy does. It's do as daddy says. Oh, and also what he does. And I think that's leadership really forces you into this box of being a role model, which is a, such a great thing for, for leaders. As leaders, we have to think forward. We have to think ahead and we have to anticipate things for people. We have to put ourselves in other people's shoes and, and vector trained leaders are always thinking, okay, when I was a rep, I remember feeling like this. So there's a little big element of empathy as a leader knowing where people are coming from. And again, one of my mentors also says, how do you learn to meet people where they're at and what they're learning and what they're feeling? And then, you know, to your point, the, for example, as a sales rep, you learn how to be organized, but as a leader, you have to be organized at a higher level and for more people. And you have to have time management, not just as a rep, but for on a higher level and for more people. And it just, everything starts to blossom that way. And uh, as a leader too, just feeding our people, indoctrinating, this is directly from you, Dan, indoctrinating our people how to think. So, you know, when you create a culture as a vector trade manager, we set the tone, right? We're the, we're the thermostat, not the thermometer. So we're, where we set it, the, the culture goes. And it's so fun as a leader and a vector trained leader to do that, where we talk about a push week, which is, you know, our contest period. And we talk about how much we're going to sell and how we're going to act and how we're going to do things. It's fun to watch people do it because we, we speak it into existence and we lead it into existence. It's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, so many good insights right there. You referenced the servant element of leadership. And this is one of those things I think people start becoming aware of as an assistant manager, you know, because as an assistant manager, you don't get a whole lot of recognition for what the team accomplishes, but you get certain feelings of having impacted people that are very powerful. And you start to realize like, Hey, the more that I impact others, the more I add value to others, that the better my life is also. You also referenced the idea of being a role model and that, you know, people are watching you when you're in a leadership role. And I've found that most often that's like an exhilarating and positive thing. It provides some, you know, positive pressure. Sometimes it's exhausting. It's like, I don't want to be on my A game today. I just want to go do something else today. Like, how have you gotten yourself past those moments when? you know, being a role model was, was both simultaneously motivating and exhausting? Oh, good question. You know, and I'll tell you, there are times where that's the case more often where you don't want to be the leader. And then there are days where it's easy and you want to be the role model. I think at the end of the day, when you genuinely make an agreement and commit to someone that you're going to support them. When I say, Hey Dan, okay, well, I, I've got your back or I'm going to help you get this. What do you, you want to be a doctor? Great. How does Cutco help you do that? Okay, great. How are you on track? How can I help you? Okay. I'm going to help you. And it's just, I think part of it's upbringing and part of it is just, okay, well, am I going to be the type of man or woman where my word is my bond? If my word, it, do I have virtue in my word? And when I speak to people, does it mean something? Or is it uh, Hey, I'll call you back in five minutes and they hang up and they know he's not calling me back. He always says that. Mm. I'm, I'm the type of person when I say I'm going to help you, I'm going to be there. And uh, you got to bring a player work and just knowing that a player work actually yields the best return. The times we do it when we don't versus the times when it's easy. That's what I found to be the case. There's as rewarding as it is to feel like a leader when we're winning and doing well, when we're not doing well and we're still the leader, that's actually way more gratifying at the end of the day when it comes back to it. So 
Yeah, I think what's what's awesome about being viewed as a role model and that positive pressure that comes along with it is that you really learn that in life, what's most important is that you are doing the things you decided you wanted to do, that you're doing the things that are in accordance with the vision of who you want to be versus just being subject to the whims of, you know, how you feel in the moment. Right. You know, there's that Jim Rohnism about you can either make a living or design a life. And I think so many people just go through making a living because they just do what they feel like doing on a day-to-day basis. And they don't feel like being on their A-game today. Well, that's okay. But as a leader in Vector, you learn, if you want to be a Vector-trained leader, you learn that's not okay. Yeah. That it is saying to yourself, you know, I don't feel like doing something. That's like the mantra of somebody who's unsuccessful in life. Yeah. And being able to overcome that because you realize, well, my people are watching me, right? I have to do the things I'm expecting them to do. It just keeps you accountable to a higher level of achievement that enables you to live the life that you designed. You know, sometimes, and life is crazy. And at the same time, a lot of times I hear when you sift through everything is I want certainty. I want certainty. Financial, I want certainty. Career, I want certainty. But what's more certain than this is my decision? To your point, like what's certain? Oh, my choice. What's certain is I'm going to be like this. What's certain is no matter what just hit the fan, this is what I'm going to say when everyone else knows that's not how it feels. That's how bad it is. I'm still going to make a comment that's inconvenient or, you know what? I wasn't planning for this, but we'll move forward versus having a meltdown and versus quitting on the day. To me, that's certainty, certainty and decision, certainty in how you're going to operate and certainty in, in the type of person you are. You know, that that's fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reality for most people in in their work is that certainty in the workplace, or some people would say security, certainty in the workplace typically means you're certain it's not going to be that exciting. You're certain it's not going to be a, you know, high level of achievement where you're fired up to do what you do every single day. And, uh, you know, being able to have that certainty or security that comes from your own decisions, your own actions, your own results that's very powerful. And I think that definitely exemplifies what it means to be vector trained as a leader. Um, you also said something about your word is your bond. And I, and I just think about how much trust gets established when people know that about you, yeah. right? When they know they can count on you to do the things you say you're going to do, it establishes a high level of trust. And that creates a lot more motivation, creates a lot more loyalty. There's so much more good that goes on in an organization when you have that relationship of trust. And I'm sure you have a lot of that with your, your superstar young managers that are coming up right now in the company. Yeah. You know what? And I, I haven't had this situation, but there's always that, that scenario. If something, someone would speak ill of you and you weren't there, would people believe it? Would people go, Oh no, but maybe, or people undeniably go, Oh no, no, that's not, that's not how Jeff would be. Like I'm, I'm shocked. And I don't believe that let's talk. Cause that, and for me, I think when I make decisions and when I don't feel like doing certain things, I think about, okay, what's that going to be like later on? What's that response going to be? And, and I'd like to think that more often than not, we're, we're going to get the positive response. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I, I want to talk more about some of the mentalities of a vector trained person. And you referenced the uh, earlier, w- the young lady that you were meeting with and her talking about overcoming rejection. Right. I think, Overcoming rejection is an important element of personal growth because it enables you to invite uh, critical feedback from people around you without taking it personally. 
Right. I had an interview recently with Andrew Bosworth, who's one of the big guys at Facebook. And I asked him about working with Mark Zuckerberg. And he said that, you know, Zuckerberg is a guy that invites critical feedback, invites disagreement, and that that facilitates faster learning in an organization. And when I think about, you know, at least one of the mentalities of being a vector trained leader, this is one of them is it's a, an openness to feedback. It's a, a willingness to be able to accept criticism right. and not taking things personally. And that's all part of the mental attitude I think people can develop. What about some other elements of mental attitude, mental toughness? You know, how does someone who's vector trained think? How do they handle adversity? Yeah, I think uh, in no particular order, I think there's this automatic, it's, it's a default to, okay, something, ad- there's adversity. There's something not so good right now. There's something painful. And somewhere in there, there's a gift. Somewhere in there, there's either something I'm going to learn. Somewhere in there is something I'm going to take away from this. And, you know, easier said than done, but really vector trade managers will go back. And you know, I, I mentioned going back, my, my transition to Florida, I managed uh, my first time, first two years down here. As much as it hurt, I wouldn't have it any other way because I know I'm not who I am and how we're operating now would not have happened without 2010, 11, and 12. And so there's a gift. I think that's one vector trained way to think. Another way is being a solution finder versus a problem reporter. You know, I, I can call Dan to Dan's my region manager. Dan, can I just, aside from venting in a positive, constructive way outside of that, I can sit here and just unload all the things that aren't happening and all the problems and what we're not in control of. When a vector train manager, I think when they're on their A game says, well, what can you control right now? Okay. Well, or what is the gift or even better than that? What can you control? What's the gift? And have you already thought of solutions? I'm like, okay. And Kate Bassey, Kate Arbuthnot back then, we used to have this culture where when you called me and you had issues and we would role play this, the best conversation was, Hey Jeff, I'm calling. Um, I'm going to tell you all the things that are just, uh, I'm just having a hard time. I have my solutions already and I want to get your feedback on that, but I just want to let you know what's going on. So it's one of those, Hey, I'm in control. I'm just looking for some counsel, maybe a little bit of a chance to vent, but I've already thought of ways to adjust. I've already thought of ways to come out of this because I'm presenting solutions not just reporting problems all the time. I, I think that's a big part of being vector trained with, the, with at least handling adversity as a manager. Back to circle of influence. You know, I think really smart business people and really strong vector trained people have positive and very defaulted outlets. So for example, if I'm having a hard time, I already know there are two or three people that I will go to automatically that are above me, not peers who all influence for the negative and certainly not people that look up to me that won't get the best version of me. I'm going to go directly to my, I guess my direct report, trusted sources. I know how to have that conversation. And, and I think that's just systemized to go through your support group. And then one thing I also think about is hmm. heavy, heavy, heavy adversity. You know, smart business people, vector trained people, they, they assess, they, they, you know, they get out of an emotional state. They assess what's, what's going on. And then they just adjust, you know, it's like, it's like, I just uh, picked up golf this last two years and hardest thing i've ever done man but it's all about adjusting (laughs) recovery the the key is recovery not perfection recovery and the better recovery you have the better your golf game and in in business and in life and vector trained i think best managers know it's how do you recover it's not how you thrive it's how you recover that makes you great Mm -hmm. so true true good nuggets in there jeff the idea of where is the gift in every challenge and every adversity. 
and redirecting our mind to find that. It's not always easy, but it's just such a constructive way of thinking because it puts your focus onto something that's positive. And we've heard that saying, you know, where focus goes, energy flows. And if you're always focused on what's wrong or what's negative, you put yourself in a downward spiral. And I think vector trained individuals learn to get themselves out of a downward spiral and put themselves on a forward facing trajectory right. that leads them to what they want eventually. Right. So that I thought was a really good point. I like what you also said about the having positive outlets, right? Cause some people feel like they have to sort of muscle their way through challenge and adversity and that there's, you know, never anything, they should never talk to anyone about it. And that's not a very constructive way of thinking. And I think we all have to learn to leverage our support groups that we have and find people in our lives who can be, you know, who can be that those people for us to help take us through those moments of challenge. Any other personal characteristics that stand out of someone who's vector trained? Yeah. High energy. You know, you go to any vector conference and I will tell you the last thing someone will say is, Oh, wow. That that was pleasant. Right? (laughs) I felt like I learned now people walk away and I learned and their tempo and voice goes up because they think of the music and the tempo and the push periods, which is the contest. And they think of the way the managers walk with pace and tempo. And it's just, I'm speaking faster as I talk about the conference because I can't help it. Like energy, energy at a high level, energy at an uncharacteristically high level for people that age, right? And and sustained energy and genuine enthusiasm for success, for recognition and, and for people's achievements. I think that is a great characteristic of someone who's vector trained. Positivity. I think that the natural default of vector trained is optimism. It really is. It, it's what well, we're going to find a way. I don't know. And it, it, almost to the point of ignorance. Like, so how are you? Oh, I have no idea. But we're going to find a way. <laughs> and I think if you're going to have a default, I'd rather that be the default than I don't know. We're screwed. for sure. We're, for we're sure. I don't, know. I don't know, but we're screwed. Like the default of positivity is always better. Always. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that that's one of the greatest lessons I think people can take from you or from anyone like this that they they work with or they're around is that what is your default when, you know, there's a challenge or there's a question or anything that's put in front of you, what do you default to? Do you default to the negative? Do you default to the, you know, why things can't be done? Or does your mind quickly default to, you know, how we will do this and to the positive things that are coming out of it? So there's a quote that like life doesn't just happen to you. It happens for you. And the more that we're looking for the reasons why, right, things are occurring in our life that are going to be constructive, that are going to add value to us in the long run, uh, the more positive we are and the more likely we are to end up succeeding and having what we want. So it seems like you're somebody that really has exemplified that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any other last thoughts on the idea, the, the concept of vector trained? Yeah, I have one thought. It's a little different direction. So it's the concept of being a big fish in a small pond. You know, for for years, I remember thinking, when I get out into corporate America, and I'm a big time doctor, big realm of the real world and the big world. But there's something great about Vector with the energy. And here, you know, you can be a rock star here. Here, you can be the big fish. And maybe it's temporary, maybe it's permanent. But you can be a big fish in a little pond here, a la Malcolm Gladwell and Outliers. And you just... It's just such a great feeling. And whatever someone's duration is and tenure with us is, I find that when they really embrace that, they get so much from the opportunity, from the experience, from the training, because 
they just realize, okay, be the head of the mouse or the tail of the lion. And there's something great about being the head of the mouse sometimes. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way of looking at someone who's successful as a district manager and vector and, you know, running their, their territory and being the uh, king or queen of their territory within vector and, and all the people they can impact there. Corporately, of course, the company is pretty big. And when you rise to the level that you're at, Jeff, yeah, that's you become a big fish in at least a medium pond, if not uh, more, more a big pond. And, yeah. yeah. Talk about our young guys just getting started, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, awesome. Well, Jeff, as you look ahead, you know the idea of this podcast is changing lives. As you look ahead into the future uh, in your career and in your life, how do you aspire to change lives through your work and through your influence? Yeah, this is easy for us. It's very clear for me. So our our mantra in our organization is creating five star graduates. So like a five star athlete, they're the most recruited, most sought after athletes in the country with their respective sports, volleyball, basketball, you name it. And it's because they're the best at what they do. They have the most skills. They don't have a hard time finding a college. It's actually the other way around. The colleges want them. And for me, this has been just such an awesome platform. I mean, awesome doesn't even do it justice to help people become five-star graduates. Maybe not getting drafted by Duke to play basketball, but getting the highest job offer at that one respective big three company in their field or getting all the offers in their grad school programs. I had a young lady who worked with me for three years. She reached out. She said, I went 14 for 14 on my grad school programs. And that's unheard of. Five for five is monster. I went 14 for 14. She said, wow. Talked about her vector experience. And then to me, that's how I want to change lives. You know, we, um, it's one of our managers, Luke says, this is an avenue for professional personal development. For me, I think we really fill in the gaps really well. We fill in the gaps of, okay, soft skills you might not learn in your major. We fill in the gaps of maybe you don't have these relationships in your life. We fill in the gaps. We don't have, uh, someone doesn't have confidence poured into them. We fill in the gaps. And when they graduate, our goal is that they move on to bigger and better things. And they come back and say, you know, I'm an alumni of Vector. What does that mean? Oh, Vector trained. That got me blank. I'm Vector trained here. And that's how I, I choose to use this as my vehicle. It's, it's really great to see when that happens. Not so much now in the push weeks and successful district managers, but what happens five, 10 years out when they look back? Yeah. Outstanding, Jeff. Well, you know, Jeff, when I, when I think of you, I think of, there, there are two words that really come to mind for me first. One of them is energy, which you've talked about. Uh, and the other one is character. Uh, you, you know, you, you bring high energy enthusiasm to everything you do. You're a magnetic leader. You're the kind of guy people love to be around. And then beyond that is you, you are a person of character that I think people can feel trust for and be loyal to. And it's evident why you've been such a great developer and why people have stuck around you for so long. You truly are the toast of Vector as a division manager, Jeff, and uh, you're loved and admired by everyone in the whole company. Uh, and it's awesome to see all of what you've accomplished. And I really appreciate you taking some time to be with us here today. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Dan. All right. Cool, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, you got it. Vector Trained, everyone, with Jeff Gamboa. This is going to be one of those episodes where you got to go check out the show notes, changinglivespodcast.com. Look for Jeff's episode. Click on show notes because there's just so many little quotable phrases in there and good training nuggets. As a salesperson, the idea of organization, the idea of developing your presentation skills, managing your time, work ethic dealing with rejection, as a leader, servant leadership mentality, developing your skills of influence, 
your empathy, being a role model, and then just vector-trained ways of thinking, optimism, high energy, right? And the idea of looking for the gift in every challenge or adversity, seeking solutions. So much good stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as I enjoyed talking to Jeff today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.